Okay, so we are now moving on with Ibrahim Islam's story. So he left his people um, of Ur, which was in Iraq, and when he left, he left with his wife Sarah and his nephew Lut Islam. Now the thing is, there's a huge disconnect here because when we last um, talked about Ibrahim Islam's story. He was leaving uh, Iraq and there was no mention of a wife but um, in Quran most of the Prophet stories and such are not in detail of every aspect of their life so we can only talk about what we have with us in the Quran and not add anything to it okay so when Ibrahim al-Islam left his people for the sake of Allah with his wife Sarah who was barren and he had no child with him was his nephew Lut salam, the son of his brother Haran about whom Allah said and Lut believed him Allah had granted Ibrahim salam, pious sons and made his progeny the prophethood and the book no prophet was ever sent after him but that was from his progeny and no book was ever sent down but to one of these prophets from his progeny it was an honor and favor from Allah to him as he had to leave his country, his people, relatives for his sake. Okay, now, so it is reported that after journeying for some time, Ibrahim al-Islam and a small group of believers who accompanied him reached Haran, according to Allah's word, and we delivered him and Luth to the land which we had blessed for the worlds. The land is what was known in earlier times as Bilad al-Sham, the land of Syria. Not to be confused with present-day Syria, the Sham of old territory was known as Palestine prior to the portioning after uh, the Ottoman Empire and World War One into present-day Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel. So basically, it was Palestine at that time. Um, but yeah, it was called Syria. This is an area especially blessed by and dear to Allah, the land of Ibrahim al-Islam, and the Prophet descended from him, peace be upon him. After some time of settling in Haran, uh, Ibrahim al-Islam, accompanied by Sarah, went to Yemen. However, because Yemen was in the grip of famine, they did not settle there, but turned northward to Egypt. Now, when they went to Egypt, uh, there was there is a story in there's a so- short story that I will tell you in uh, brief. So they went to Egypt and over there there was this really uh, evil ruler who would capture all females who were what who were married you know so when they went there it is said again it is not mentioned in Quran but uh, it is said that the king tri- uh, captured Sarah al-Islam and uh, he tried to touch her and every time he would touch her his hand would burn and he would ask Sarah to ask forgiveness to Allah for him and Sarah would do that and he would be able to touch her again but then again it would burn and this went on until he realized that there was something different about her and that um, he shouldn't he should just let her go so he let her go with one of his servants uh, whose name was Hajar okay so after leaving Egypt Ibrahim al-Islam accompanied by Sarah and her Egyptian servant returned to Syria and settled there permanently. Years passed, still no child was born to the Prophet and his wife, who had by then become elderly, and eventually at Sarah's suggestion, Ibrahim al-Islam married Hajar. 
in the hope that she would be able to bear him a successor in prophethood. Ibrahim al Islam had prayed to Allah for righteous children, and in response, Allah the Most Gracious gave Ibrahim al Islam the good tidings of his son, informing even before the son's birth that he would have a forbearing boy, and by divine will, Hajar, the young wife of Ibrahim al Islam, became the mother of a son, Ismail al Islam, while Sarah remained painfully barren and childless. At the time of Ismail al Islam's birth, Ibrahim al Islam was 86 years old, and it was 13 years before. Ishaq al-Islam was born. So later on, um, another son is born to Ibrahim al-Islam, whose name is Ishaq. When Ismail al-Islam was born, Allah revealed to Ibrahim al-Islam, giving the glad tidings of the birth of another son, uh, Ishaq from Sarah. And Ibrahim al-Islam fell down in prostration to Allah. And Allah said to him, I have answered your prayer for Ismail, and I have blessed him, and will greatly increase his number. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. Which is true because um, Ibrahim al-Islam had two sons, Ismail and Ishaq. And if you take the family tree, you will see that it was through Ismail al-Islam and Ishaq al-Islam that later on prophets came down. And it was under Ismail al-Islam's family uh, that in the end we had uh, Prophet Muhammad sallam And um, on Ishaq al-Islam's side, we had Prophet Musa and Isa and such. Okay. Now, when Hajar gave birth to Ismail, Sarah fell ill towards her. So, in there are two story. I mean, there are two instances where um, a wife's jealousy is mentioned in the Prophet stories, and one is in Prophet uh, Ibrahim al-Islam's story right now, and later on in uh, Prophet Muhammad, I mean um, Muhammad sallallahu story uh, with Aisha radhiyallahu anha, and um, both prophets were very. Uh, kind and dealt with it patiently so Sarah felt ill towards Hajar and asked Ibrahim al-Islam to hide her face from her so Ibrahim al-Islam took Hajar and her son Ismail and started a journey towards uh, a place called Makkah okay um, now you may think that he did this because um, his wife said I mean his wife didn't want to see the other wife's face but um, we need to understand that um, everything Ibrahim al-Islam did was uh, with divine permission so he must have foreseen something or Allah must have told him something and which we will see in later on right now that there was uh, I mean he was being led uh, by Allah to do this so yeah, while Sarah's feelings may have been something of a factor, it cannot have been the real reason for Ibrahim's action. It is said that Hajar's child was, at that time still, a hand baby. It is clear from the subsequent events um, that Ibrahim al-Islam did everything by the command of his lord. So, Ibrahim al-Islam took Hajar and Ismail al-Islam on a journey till he brought them to a house near a tree on the well of Zamzam, the highest place in the mosque. So basically, they're just mentioning this um, prior to even like the Zamzam being there but they're just giving us a sense of the location the Zamzam isn't here yet in the story so it has to go on a bit more okay this was the same spot to which Adam al-Islam had come thousands of years earlier and upon which Allah Most High had sent down his sacred house his jewel from paradise and, according, um, and around which the Ark of Nuh al-Islam had floated uh, it was the place where Ibrahim al-Islam in years to come would construct the Holy Kaaba 
a place of sacred pilgrimage around which the city of Mecca would arise. It was moreover the place where many centuries later the perfect of all creations, Allah's Messenger Muhammad would be born and pass the first 53 years of his life. So they are just giving us the, they're telling us about this location where Hajra Hajra, uh, and Ismail were left by Ibrahim Islam. So Allah's command had come to him and Ibrahim Islam did not will otherwise. So when Ibrahim Islam left them there and walked back, Hajar clinched uh, his cloth and said, Ibrahim, where are you going leaving us here alone? We do not have sufficient food and drink. Ibrahim Islam did not answer her. When she persisted and found no answer, then she asked, has Allah commanded you for that? He said, yes. She said, then Allah will not leave us to perish. So she had good tawakkal and faith in Allah that he wouldn't uh, cause death upon them. So, Ibrahim al-Islam went on till he came to the narrow pass of the mountain where he could hardly be seen by them. He stopped there and faced the house, raised his hands and invoked his prayer. Our Lord, I have settled some of my descendants in an uncultivated valley near your sacred house, our Lord, that they may establish prayer. So make hearts among the people inclined towards them and provide for them from the fruits that they may be grateful. These words make it clear that Ibrahim al-Islam was fully aware of the spiritual reality of the place where he was leaving his family. So basically, Ibrahim al-Islam knew that in the coming months and years, he would be building a Kaaba over there, which would be the sacred house of Allah. It is not there yet. It's they, Those are still mountains and a desert place. Okay. Now, in those days, um, there was no one in Makkah. Okay. Like, Makkah was a barren area, like a deserted land, uh, because there was no water there. And he left there and left with them a leather bag containing some dates and a water skin containing some water. Hajar continued nursing Ismail Islam and drinking from that water. But when all the water in the water skin got used up, she as well as her son became thirsty. She started looking at him, tossing in agony. She left him for she could not look at him anymore. So she left him there and she found that Safa was the nearest mountain for her to climb up and look for help. So she stood on it and looked around it. She could not see anyone. She came down from there and she reached the bottom of the valley. She ran in the valley like a person in distress and crossed the valley and reached another mountain called Marwa where she stood on it, started looking around in the hope that she might find someone but she could not find anyone. So once she had completed seven rounds, when she reached Marwa in the last round, she heard a voice and became quiet. Then she listened and heard it again and it said, You have made me hear your voice. Do you have any help to offer me? Then she saw Jibra'il at the site of Zamzam and he dug with his heel or wing, it's not clear yet, until the water gushed forth. And she began to make a trough around it using her hands and began scooping up the water into her water skin. Each time she scooped up the water with her hand, the water would gush out even more. So this is how Zamzam came to be and... Um, uh, as soon as the water started coming out she created like this um, she dug around the area to create more space for the water to come out and stay and Ibn Abbas anha, narrated uh, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as saying if she had left it without trying to control it or if she had not scooped up the water of Zamzam Zamzam would have been a spring flowing above the ground so it said that if um, she hadn't scooped up the water and used it up Zamzam would completely come out from under the ground and it would become like a lake or a spring. Then she drank 
and nursed her son. Then Jibreel al Islam said to her, Do not be afraid of perishing. Indeed, this is the site of the house of Allah which will be built by this boy and his father. Indeed, Allah does not let his people perish. And the site of the house was a high part of the ground, like a hill, so that when rain came, uh, it would flow to its right and its left. So the highest part of the hill was where Allah's house was to be created. It is said by the people of the Torah that Allah commanded Ibrahim Islam to circumcise Ismail and all those who lived with him of slaves and others. So he did. The age of Ismail was 13 years. This was to fulfill the command of Allah. It shows that circumcision was obligatory upon him and therefore obligatory upon all men. Okay. Now gradually Bedouin tribes, okay, and they would like many caravans would pass through Makkah at that time. And they would pass by the spot where Hajar and her son Ismail were settled near the Zamzam well. And they asked Hajar for permission to camp near her. And she said yes, as long as they didn't take rights over the water, they could. And she liked companionship as she was alone with Ismail The Bedouins and their family stayed and remained with them until some of them became settlers over there. And the boy grew up and learned Arabic from them. And he was valued by them and pleased them when he became a young man. When he reached the age of maturity, they married him to one of their women. This is from Bukhari Hadith. Now, Ibrahim al-Islam's life was marked by extraordinary events and by tests and trials that could easily have destroyed a person of lesser faith. It had been close to 10 years since Ibrahim al-Islam had left his wife and baby in Makkah in the care of Allah. After a two-month journey, he was surprised to find Makkah a lot different from how he had left it. The joy of reunion was soon to be interrupted by a vision which was to be the ultimate test of Allah. When Ismail had reached the age of doing a man's work side by side with his father, meaning that he became mature and was capable of working, a vision came to Ibrahim Islam, ordering him to cut the throat of his son. <clears throat> and now Prophet's dreams were supposed to be revelations. So it was a message from Allah. So it was a tremendous trial from Allah the Most High to his friend Ibrahim Islam to slaughter his beloved son who came to hit him at such an advanced age after ordering him to take him and his mother to a distant land. With his pure understanding of the truth, he knew that his Lord, who is endlessly merciful and compassionate, has no need or desire for blood to be sacrificed and offered to him. As a prophet, he also knew better than anyone else that taking an innocent life is among the most terrible of crimes and what could be a graver evil or more horrible crime than killing of a son by his own father. At the same time, there was the assurance he had been granted when he left Hajar and Ismail in the barren desert of the child's living and not dying. Ibrahim did not question Allah's order nor dispute with his will. Rather, he understood his sacrifice of his son as something that just must happen. Thus it was that once again when his Lord said to him, Submit, he said, I have submitted to the Lord of the worlds. He then asked his son to see how he responded to his order, saying, O my son, indeed, I have seen in a dream that I must sacrifice you, so see what you think. The forbearing son made his father immensely happy by saying, O my father, do as you are commanded. You will find me, if Allah wills, of the steadfast. Young as he was, Ismail Islam was trained in perfect obedience, firstly to his lord and secondly to his father, a prophet of tremendous spiritual stature. If this is what his father understood as an order, it must be carried out, regardless of how it would affect him personally. Deciding otherwise was not even a possibility for young Ismail and his father. Perhaps for this reason, Allah speaks of Ismail Islam as a forbearing boy and mentions him as being among the patient and among the righteous. 
Now Ibrahim al-Islam and his young son set out to fulfill the vision carrying a length of rope and a sharp knife. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anha reports that when two of them had passed the place where Hajar uh, hastened between Safa and Marwa, Shaitan appeared to Ibrahim al-Islam and ran after him. But Ibrahim al-Islam outran him and continued on his way accompanied by Jibreel al-Islam. When Ibrahim al-Islam reached the site at which the stone pillar of Aqaba stands in Mina, Shaitan came to him again. Ibrahim al-Islam threw seven pebbles at him to drive him away and continued towards his destination. At the side of the middle stone pillar, Shaitan reappeared and again Ibrahim al-Islam threw seven pebbles at him. Finally, when Shaitan realized that Ibrahim al-Islam was firm and intent upon carrying out Allah's command, he left him alone. Soon the father and son reached the place for carrying out the sacrifice, which is believed to be on Mount Tabir near Makkah. It is reported that Ismail al-Islam was wearing a white shirt. Oh my father, he said, I have no garment to be buried in except this, so take it off me and bury me in it. What that much tried father and son, may Allah... Um, endless peace and blessings be upon them felt as they both surrendered their wills to Allah and as Ibrahim al-Islam put Ismail al-Islam in place for the sacrifice that place will be a secret forever now Ibn Khatir explains the events that followed Allah says and when they had both submitted and he put him down upon his forehead it is said that he was about to cut his throat in such a way as not to see his face others say he started cutting with a knife at his throat but it would not cut at all it is said that Allah inserted a layer of brass between the knife and his throat. Then Allah Most High called out to Ibrahim al-Islam that the objective of his testing and obedience and his willingness to carry out his Lord's command had been achieved. That is why Allah says, Indeed, this was the clear trial and he ransomed him with a great sacrifice and replaced him with something which was easy for him to sacrifice in the place of his son. The majority of uh, scholars say that it was a white ram uh, with big horns. The term great sacrifice obviously refers to much more than the specific animal which was provided as a ransom for the life of Ismail al-Islam. Rather, it relates to the fact that Allah ordained the offering of animal sacrifices on the same day throughout the world to be established sunnah up to the day of resurrection, thereby keeping alive the memory of Ibrahim al-Islam's unparalleled faithfulness and devotion to his command. Thus did Allah try his friend with another almost unimaginable trial, finding him surrendered. He relieved him and restored his son to him to become his successor in prophethood and the ancestor of the seal of the prophets Muhammad and Allah praises Ismail in the Quran in the story of Ibrahim Islam's sacrifice we learn that the way of those who are nearest to Allah the prophets messengers and holy people it is the way of perfection total surrender of their own personal wills and un unserving commitment to carrying out the will of their Lord, which is communicated to their innermost being, without question, without reasons, even if it goes against logic and common sense, against all that they cherish, against everything that is accepted as reasonable and right. It is this epitome of submission and trust in Allah which hundreds of millions of Muslims reenact every year during the days of Hajj on Eid al-Adha. Now, Ibrahim al-Islam then returned to Palestine, and upon doing so, he was visited by angels who gave him and Sarah the good news of his son, Ishaq. At some time after the birth of his second son, Ishaq, Ibrahim al-Islam, now very old and somewhat weak, visited Ismail al-Islam. Ibn Abbas narrates that Ibrahim al-Islam stayed away from his family in Mecca as long as Allah willed. Then afterward, he came 
while Ismail was sharpening his arrows under a tree near Zamzam. And when he saw him, he stood up to greet him. And they did as the father and son do. Ibrahim said, Oh Ismail, Allah has given me a command. And Ismail said, Then do what your Lord has commanded you. Ibrahim said, And you will help me. And Ismail said, I will help you. Ibrahim said, Then indeed Allah has commanded me to build a house here. And he pointed to the hill which was higher than the land surrounding it. Then they, Ibrahim and Ismail, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon them, built the foundation of the house. And Ismail bought the stones and Ibrahim built it. They went on building until they made the waf around it, while both of them were saying, Our Lord, accept this from us. Indeed, you are the hearing or the own knowing. Then it is said, when Ibrahim had completed the building of the house, except for the last stone, Jibreel bought him the black stone, Al-Hajr al-Aswad, and set it in its place. This was the sacred stone that had come down from paradise at the time of Adam al which to this day remains fixed in one of the corners of the sacred Kaaba. Several hadiths speak of the singular love and respect that Prophet Muhammad showed for this relic of paradise whenever he made tawaf around the Kaaba, as Muslims do to this day. Allah then gave his friends friend orders concerning his sacred house. Do not associate anything with me and purify my house for those who perform tawaf and those who stand in prayer and those who bow and prostrate. The sacred house was to be kept clean of everything impure and foul, above all else of the pollution of idols, which was considered filthy and abominable in Judaism and Christianity as well as Islam. Thus the father and son were reunited to establish the honored house of Allah, the center of worship, to which direction people would turn their face when offering prayers and make it a site of pilgrimage. There are many beautiful phrases in Quran describing the sanctity of the Kaaba and its purpose of building. The security of the sacred city and the faith of his descendants who would dwell in it was in Ibrahim al-Islam's heart as he addressed his beloved Lord. My Lord, make this city secure and keep me and my sons away from worshipping idols. My Lord, indeed, they have led astray many among the people. So whoever follows me, then he is of me. And whoever disobeys me, indeed, you are yet forgiving and merciful. And Ibrahim al-Islam poured out his gratitude for the blessing of the two sons who had been granted to him so late in life in response to his supplication. He prayed for himself, his progeny, his parents, and all believers. While building the house, Ibrahim al-Islam prayed for the safety of Makkah and the provisioning of its people. Allah the Most High was to grant his friends prayer for security of Makkah. The entire territory of Makkah to this day is a sanctuary, a safe haven, where all living things are secure from harm, as mentioned in Quran. At the same time, Allah declared punishment for whoever intends deviation or wrongdoings. Allah also granted Ibrahim al-Islam prayer for the provision of his descendants. In time to come, Mecca was to become a center of trade whose commerce flourished through the journeys of merchant caravans to the neighboring lands in the north and the south. Ibrahim al-Islam's prayers for the purity of the faith of his descendants who would live in Mecca and for being shown their rights of their faith and the practice of Salat, all these were answered in time to come. And most important of all, the most merciful Allah granted his friends supplication that he would send among his descendants in the sacred territory a messenger from among themselves who will recite to them his verses and teach them the scripture and wisdom and purify them. And this was supposed to be Prophet Muhammad Now Ibn Khatir reports that when he had completing, completed building the sacred house, his Lord gave Ibrahim a further command. 
and proclaim the Hajj to mankind, that pilgrimage to the house might be an obligation on all who follow his path up to the last day. Ibrahim Islam stood, either upon the stone known as Station of Ibrahim, or on top of the hill of Safa, or the summit of Mount Abu Qubais, nobody knows for sure, and called, O people, there is a house of your Lord here, so come here for Hajj. And it is said his voice reached the whole world, to the extent that unborn children in their mother's wombs heard the sound, and all the people who were destined to make Hajj in the future called out, Labbaik, here I am, Allah. Ibrahim al-Islam was then taught the rites of Hajj by Jibrail al-Islam. These rites were the same as those that centuries later, the last messenger, Muhammad sallallahu would teach the first community of Muslims in obedience to Allah's order. Those rites have not changed up till now, nor will they ever change. Thus, each Muslim who takes part in the Hajj is following the Sunnah of two of the most greatest prophets of all time. Now, we know uh, very little of Ishaq al-Islam, so we will uh, come back here. So, Ishaq al-Islam was born when uh, Ibrahim al-Islam left Hajar and Ismail al-Islam in Mecca, and he went back to his wife, his first wife, Sarah. Now, Ibrahim al-Islam returned home to his wife Sarah. However, Sarah remained barren and the years passed until she and Ibrahim al-Islam were very aged. It is said that Ibrahim al-Islam lived in Bir Shaba in the land of Palestine, which is the desert portion of Syria. There, he dug a well and built a house of prayer. But when some of its people harmed him, he left them and went to live between, between Ramla and Jerusalem. There again, he dug a well and settled down. Eventually, he became prosperous, blessed with plentiful provision, wealth, and servants, and he was very fond of showing, very fond of showing hospitality to his guests. One day, three handsome strangers, whom Ibrahim al-Islam naturally enough took to be travelers, appeared at his door. When they entered upon him and said salam, the greetings of believers, surprised by their presence, Ibrahim al-Islam said, "Indeed, we are fearful of you." Then, desiring to give his guests his best hospitality, he did not delay in bringing them a roasted calf. When he saw that they would not eat, he mistrusted them and felt apprehensive of them, and he expressed his feelings of fear frankly to them. So, in Arabic culture, uh, hospitality is shown uh, in a great deal in the food that is served, and uh, when someone doesn't accept hospitality it naturally is uh, you get a feeling of um, you when someone doesn't accept the gesture you feel that they may not have come in peace or they they do not want they have not come uh, to extend the hand of friendship but they reassured him and made known to him that they were angels Jibrail, Mikail and Israfil al-Islam who had been sent by their lord for uh, to run a twofold errand they said fear not we have been sent to the people of Lut, and his wife was standing, and she smiled. Then we gave her good tidings of Ishaq, and after Ishaq, Yaqub. The angels had a second errand, which, concer which concerned Ibrahim al-Islam personally, and equally to his wife, and they made it known. Indeed, we give you good tidings of a learned boy. Ibrahim al-Islam reacted with natural disbelief. Did they really mean such good tidings of a son at such an old age? Ibrahim al-Islam rejoiced. As it became clear to him that this announcement had in truth come from none other than Allah himself. Impossible though it might be according to human experience, it was evident that he was now destined to become the father of a second son, this time from the barren aged Sarah. 
Sarah reacted with disbelief and unbearable sadness, but the angels reassured her. The seemingly impossibility of the thing kept Sarah from trusting the news she had been given. She cried in the bitter agony of an aged woman who has remained barren throughout her life. She said, Woe to me! Shall I give birth while I am an old woman and this my husband is an old man? Indeed, this is an amazing thing. The angels responded, reminding them of Allah's mercy and blessings upon them and the people of the house. Thus, Allah gave Ibrahim al-Islam and Sarah the good tidings of his hack, a prophet from among the righteous. Then, as if that were not enough, they also informed of a grandson to come, according to Allah's words. Then we gave her good tidings of Isaac and after Isaac, Yaqub. Through the birth of Isaac al-Islam, Allah most gracious once again wrought a miracle for his friend, contravening all known natural laws. And according to his endlessly wise, all-embracing divine plan, the second thus granted to Ibrahim al-Islam and Sarah in their advanced old age was like his half-brother Ismail al-Islam, destined to become a vital link in the future of revealed religion. Although Isaac al-Islam is mentioned in the Quran only 16 times, nothing is reported concerning his life story. And Yaqub al-Islam is, after Isaac al-Islam, the prophetic line continued with Yaqub al-Islam, who was to become known as Israel, as mentioned in the Quranic verse. Yaqub al-Islam is mentioned in the Quran 20 times. However, nothing of his life story is reported except in connection to his son Yusuf al-Islam. So basically, Isaac al-Islam, the second son of Ibrahim al-Islam, um, it, it was under his family tree or progeny that Yaqub al-Islam would be born. And Yaqub al-Islam's life story is not uh, been mentioned in the Quran except concerning Yaqub al-Islam's 12 children and one of them, that is Yusuf al-Islam, who was chosen uh, as a prophet. Now, there is no mention in Quran of Ibrahim al-Islam's remaining years after Isaac al-Islam, but some uh, scholars confirm that Sarah preceded him in death and that she was buried in a field which Ibrahim al-Islam plowed in Hebron, Palestine. And uh, scholars confirm that after Sarah, he married another woman named Keturah and she bore him six sons from which Prophet Shu'aib al-Islam is said to have been a descendant. Um, thus, Ibrahim al-Islam was ultimately the father of eight sons, including Ismail and Isaac. Uh, may Allah be pleased with them all. It is reported in a hadith that one day he set out to find someone to invite to his house but found no one. When he returned home, he found a stranger inside his house. O servant of Allah, how is it that you entered my house without my permission? Ibrahim al-Islam asked. I entered by permission of its lord, the stranger replied. Who are you then? Ibrahim al-Islam asked. I am the angel of death, he replied. And my lord has sent me uh, one of his servants to give him good news that he has chosen him as his friend. And who is he? Ibrahim al-Islam asked. For by Allah, if you tell me about him, I will go and visit him even if he is in the most remote place and I will become his neighbor until death separates us. That servant is you, the angel replied. Me? Yes. For what reason has my Lord chosen me as his friend? Ibrahim al-Islam asked. Because you give to people and do not ask anything of them, was the reply. Ibrahim al-Islam charged his son sons firmly to keep the faith pure and appointed for them by their lord and so did Yaqub al-Islam after him saying oh my sons indeed Allah has chosen for you this religion so do not die except while you are Muslims Ibrahim al-Islam's mortal remains are buried in a cave under the floor of the mosque of Ibrahim in Hebron a city known in Arabic as Al-Khalil after Khalil al-Rahman the friend of Allah 
upon whom people of faith perpetually invoke Allah's highest blessings and peace. After Ibrahim al-Islam's passing from this life, his pure faith was continued and carried on by two Prophet's sons, Ismail and Azhaq al-Islam, from whom two lines of prophethood were to descend, and after them by Yaqub al-Islam. May Allah's best blessings and peace be upon noble Prophet Ibrahim al-Islam, his sons Ismail and Isaac al-Islam, his grandson Yaqub al-Islam, and his great-grandson Yusuf, and his later descendants Musa and Isa al-Islam, upon all the Prophets in his line, up to the last of them. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, this is uh, the end of the story of Ibrahim al-Islam as mentioned in Quran and Hadith and by the scholars. So, yeah. And next we'll be moving on to Prophet Lut al-Islam, which was Ibrahim al-Islam's nephew. And uh, Lut al-Islam also left Iraq with Ibrahim al-Islam and Sarah al-Islam when they were leaving. So we will move on to that story next and I will see you then. So take care and bye.